This episode of Fight Stories is brought to you by Absolute Nature CBD. Nature perfected, 100% natural CBD oil and CBD oil products for the mind, body, and your dick. Go to AbsoluteNatureCBD.com, type in the promo code Goon Squad, get an exclusive 20% Fight Stories discount. <laughs> in toronto for another episode of fight stories i'm here with my boy tyler morrison what up <laughs> phil the sound man <laughs> doing a hell of a job just got back from a big chip over in uh, thailand ladyboy hunting <laughs> <laughs> i was the ladyboy <laughs> and uh really uh really excited to talk to our guest today kenny robinson thank you so much good for to being see you here, man. man just a just a canada comedy staple for for many many years and uh, we're excited. We, before you know, this always happens. We come, we sit down, we start talking. We immediately launch into hilarious what we think are going to be hilarious stories, and we're like, "Okay, stop! We got to get started right away." Yeah. Sometimes there's no point to end. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, you told us the best part already. Yeah. <laughs> so Kenny was like, we were talking about um, a friend of mine was you know is now a mom, and she was rumbling. He goes, "You ever fight with a ki- your kid in your hands?" I was like, "No." He was like, "Okay." So and I'm like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. Let's get started." <laughs> <laughs> well, so, Kenny, tell us about it. Okay, my, my daughter is maybe about eighteen months old, and you know, I was doing these things. You know, uh, you know, I didn't have a car, so you know, I'm in Toronto, and the kids in uh, London. So I take the Greyhound to go see her. You know, no deadbeat dad here. So uh, you know, her big thing was to go to McDonald's. So I've. Uh, I can't remember if I'm holding her hand or if I had one of those. No, she might have been too big for one of those chest things, eh? Right. One of those Oof. chest. Yeah. So yeah, I used to. I used to rock that too. You Hell know? yeah. So how, uh, how long goes this? Oh, this well, well, this is my oldest daughter. So this is this is going back thirty years. Thirty. Okay. So twenty nine years. Those things had to be pretty new, though, right? Like those baby backpacks. I guess they're a couple of years old, okay. maybe. But you know, I bought it when I was just, when I was living in San Francisco when I was going to go political, and uh, <laughs> you know, and then it dawned on me when I was down in. Uh, uh, there was the first there was one of the anti-war rallies for uh, Operation uh, Desert Storm which was like the first war the uh, De- uh, Iraq war so my wife at the time and I we went down there and of course we brought the baby with us so then um you know, uh, when we see all the police just march, you know, they had the police and uh, motorcycles and, and, and horses just clearing the streets. And we're like, uh, there could be a riot breakout. And you're like a dumb twat with your child on your chest. So she could take the rubber bullet for me, I guess. You know? Right, so right, right. I'm going like, what are you thinking, man? So, you know, you, you know, that's when you start becoming a parent and stop being a goof. Right. Is when you realize how many times you can put your child in a bad situation. Yeah. So what happened was... Uh, I guess I'm taking her to McDonald's and she's walking. I pick her up to cross the street. So I step off the curb and I make, you know, two or three steps to cross. And this uh, convertible full of, uh, I guess they are teenagers, maybe a little bit older. They, you know, they see me, but they just like shoot through, right? Mm. So, uh... I yell, you motherfuckers, let me put this baby down. So, you know, my, my, my uh, logical thought was to set the child on the boulevard and then pummel these kids and break off their side mirror and everything. Right. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, you know, it's car loses control, smashes the baby. I don't know how to explain to the ex what happened. Yeah. You know, so. Only 18 months ago, we were getting along. You know, and so I set her down, you know, so I'm going, Jesus. I said, I said what are you, an idiot? You can't be fighting with a baby in your arms, you know. And I'm thinking, like, the fact that I even said to these guys, let me put this baby down. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, hold and my I'll, beard. Never mind yeah, that. Hold I'll, my child. Yeah, you know? and I'll show you. <laughs> they must have thought you were crazy right there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, but it was good, though, because, uh, you know, she uh, uh, another time uh, my uh, my ex and I and the kid, we were in this car and uh, a school bus um comes by and someone yelled, you fat, fat something. You've had my wife for me. I don't know. I think it was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife shoots the finger or my ex-wife shoots the finger and I yell, your mother sucks elephant cock. And then this 18 month old <laughs> throws her hands up because she figures that's what it is. And it says, that, 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 elephant cock. So <laughs> tears came to my eyes because we were family again. <laughs> Only for a few short moments. But right. there was a bond that yeah. would never break. There's <laughs> <laughs> So many times I've been driving and like I'm like you motherfucker and then I look and there's a kid in the car, my daughter's in her car seat right yeah. like, what yeah. am I gonna do really you know well there was one I was I was driving and uh, yeah my daughter was probably around like yeah 18 months around that she was she just learning how to talk and so now you got to cut out the swearing right so nah. I'm well <laughs> yeah well the wife <laughs> you're, wants you're to. supposed to yeah yeah so I'm I'm in the I'm going into the Tim Hortons drive-through and like there's uh, there's a line up sticking out so like I had to sit and wait with my blinker on and this other person is coming in uh, to turn right but I was waiting longer so like the etiquette is you let the person that's been waiting longer go this motherfucker uses their right of way and cuts in in front of me and I'm just pissed right well it's called the right of way yeah I know yeah. but it, there's Tim that Hortons right. yeah. yeah there's etiquette right <laughs> the right of way Canada right. god damn it <laughs> so, so I'm in line behind him and I see like it's this like fat pig and she's just fucking like throwing her like c- cigarette butts out like all over the ground and her husband's throwing garbage out I'm like I'm gonna, I want to drag this fucker out of his car and beat him uh-huh. But I got the kid here, and I can't fucking lose it. So I'm, what I do is I wait until they get up to the speaker. And right when they go to order, I just start hammering the horn, just like jarring them. They and now your daughter back. can't hear. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you killed so, her dear Yeah. So anyway, I get, they get their food, but they're like shook up. And then I drive out, and I realize I'm behind them, and I'm driving. I got to go out of town. Well, I'm following them all the way out of town, yeah. and I'm riding their ass. They think I'm just being crazy, but I'm actually going that way. Wait right to the very last moment, and I hit the horn again, just startling them and all I hear in the back seat is my kid go beep 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 <laughs> so she she yeah. learned uh, yeah, yeah, what yeah. censorship's like <laughs> <laughs> my kid uh, my kid has a uh, how old is she now she's four okay but she'll she pronounces her she mispronounces her F's as S's okay so she'll be like dad what's a sucking goof <laughs> <laughs> well you met your uncle Phil do you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so Kenny I was um, on your Facebook not too long ago you were telling a story about your mom and like growing up back in the day and um, I forget what the story was exactly, but it was it had something to do with there was some racial element of you growing up in Winnipeg, yeah, and being in your mom's household. And I was like, "Fuck, he must have saw some stuff." Oh well, between my mom and my aunt, uh, you know, there's always some kind of shit going down. But right. uh, uh, I was starting to talk about the I did a I did a. a gig at a resort about uh, two weeks ago and mm. it went bad and it looked like uh, some kid's father was going to attack me he was, mm-hmm. there was no stage one of those gigs where you're standing oh. on a, on, a, on like would be the dance floor yeah, and now you're yeah. on an even playing field with these people so yeah. they don't think that you're yeah you know and, and the guy was like some kind of Africaner you know he's standing there are you sick are you sick are you sick <laughs> so um, you know and the, the other comic with me is watching but I'm figuring you know what if this guy jumps me I'm taking two or three shots and I'm 
going to bounce my head on the ground because yeah. I'm going to own that resort next year. Yeah. I'm suing the owner, the manager, the guy. I'm going to convert that resort to a swingers resort. You know, during really Pride, during Pride Week, I'm opening up. You know, if you don't have HIV yet, come to Kenny's resort and get it. I mean, you know. So, um, but you know, so it made me think. You know, and then the mother wanted me to uh, says, "You come apologize." My eight year old son's crying now, and I go, "Well, why is he crying?" I don't know. I was outside, and you were still inside being an asshole. So the other comic says, "So you're so offended, you ran and you left your child." Yeah. <laughs> so, thing, it wasn't a fire, bitch. You know. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, maybe the father's waiting outside to sucker punch me. And it was the first time in like 30 years. Yeah. I felt there was like a a threat, a physical threat. I felt like there could be something between the 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 exit of the the door of the venue and the car. Right. And then uh, the other the kid I'm with says, "You want me to pull the car up?" I'm going, "No, nah, no, nah, I ain't going out that way." If I'm yeah. If I'm losing, I'm losing right. You know, I'm That's not, so crazy. You know. Kenny, how old are you right now? I'm uh, 61. To be having that thought at 61. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this business. You know, and, and I'm thinking, like, yeah. I'm not, I should be packing a weapon of some kind all the time now. <laughs> For a family show. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Of all the shows you do, this is the one where it's going down. It's this, a, this, there's no anger like a dad's anger, you know? You know. I said, all I'm trying to do is get my, is get my kid's child support, you know? That's all I'm trying to do, right? <laughs> you know? So I started thinking about, you know, like this poor kid, you know, I hope I didn't scar him. And she goes, I want you to apologize to my son right now. And yeah. I'm going like, if you cared, she said, if you cared, you apologize now. And I'm trying not to say anything because I want to say, you know what? I don't give a fuck about your crying little bitch ass son. Right. Because I started thinking like when I was eight years old and then you get one memory and another right. one right. and another one. So... One of the worst was, uh, you know, I was always one of the bigger kids, so they'd always taunt, and, you know, they gang up on you. If you're a big dude, you know, they never right. one-on-one. It's always five-on-one. Are you American, right? Uh, I was born in Winnipeg, but grew up in Chicago. So oh, I got so dual. born in Winnipeg, grew yeah. up in Chicago. Yeah. So this is in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I tell my father I'm getting jumped by two or three guys, so he says, okay, what you do first is you take out the ringleader. And I'm going, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't take the ringleader, Dad. I'm grabbing the smallest one. <laughs> so he says, what you do is you get your back against the wall and went okay i can do that <laughs> you know and yeah. and i had one of those cub scout belts one of those web belts yeah so he said what you do is you take your belt off you wrap it around the fist and you feed him the buckle like the like the gis back home did so he starts telling about how the ppcli used to take off their belts and whack guys in the face with a belt he's buckle going, during a the- pure post-traumatic stress <laughs> episode how old are you right now i was eight years old then. <laughs> you know? so anyway i used i used to hang with this kid named david green that was cold stone ghetto thug, but he smelled like piss all the time, right? <laughs> so, so David and I were in the bathroom uh, I, uh, of this bowling alley where we all went for lunch. Yeah. So we get jumped by these five kids from a Catholic school. So I take off the belt and I'm swinging, <laughs> and because I was always tender-hearted, I was hoping this the twirling belt would keep would these be guys away. You're right. You've got a fucking radius now. Yeah. No, these cocksuckers come closer on to me. Right. So I shortened, I shortened the belt a little bit. <laughs> so David Green goes, give me that motherfucking belt. So he takes the belt. Next thing I see, there's a piece of ear, a piece of eyebrow flying. <laughs> he just waits until he's taking them all down. Right? <laughs> so the Catholic school calls a school I'm at, and, and the principal, you know, he calls 
us in. And I go, my father told me to feed him belt, you know. And and uh, <laughs> and, and, the, and the principal says, well, your father told you that so you could protect yourself, not so David Green could protect you. <laughs> and, and, but what, uh, a, what a fucking change in times, though, right? The principal is still kind of sorting with or siding with your dad. He's yeah. like, well, he wasn't wrong, <laughs> you know. Well, he was, he was pissed because he got it, you know. And, and the Catholics, you know, of course, they're crying because, you know, when kid, you know, like I said, there was like piece of eyebrow flying oh, off. Oh, my God. And David came from one of those neighbors, you know, one of those families where they all fought hard and tough, you know, right. just at eight. Right. You know, so, uh, and I said, well, <laughs> I said, and what if David Green had knocked out somebody's eye? Someone, well, I, I guess you guys would want to talk to David Green's parents about that. <laughs> so, but I started thinking, like, how this eight year old is weeping, supposedly, because right. the, you know, the comedian said bad words. Right, right. And, you know, at the same time, I he brought father, up a tender topic, you know? I, as, as the kids like to say, I was triggered. Right. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or uh, another time around the same age, uh, my dad, uh, you know, told me, well, you take a bat to them and you take their knees out. This is eight years old. Damn. So uh, my dad drove me to this kid who was like giving me a lot of trouble. He drove me to the kid's house and said, you go to the door with a bat and you let his family know what's going to happen if he doesn't smarten up. So I go to the house and, you know, I walk to the door and I'm walking as slow as I can. So Your you dad's know, in the car? Yeah. You know, so I look at him. <laughs> he's giving me the sign to do something. So <laughs> I bang on the door with the bat. Yeah. And the kids went, you tell your son. So then the next day at school, uh, the kid kicked the shit out of me for banging on his door with a bat <laughs> waving it at his mom. I know. <laughs> really, your dad should have been knocking on the doors. You, know, you know, so. But, uh, well, you know, he uh, near the end of his life, he uh, he worked as, as they called it, a greeter at this place called Cadillac Bob's Toast of the Town. Mm. So uh, he would. Uh, he would Sounded kick- like there was some. Uh- some tussles at Cadillac Bob's. Well, he said the the idea was to let everybody know that he carried a bat. He carried a bat like some guys carry a walking stick. Mm. And a friend of his uh, said, "Well, why do you carry that bat?" And says, "Well, if you if you carry a knife, nobody knows you have it, and they'll start shit. If you carry you a gun, nobody right. knows that you have it, they'll start shit. But if they see you walking with the bat, they pretty much know that you got a bat. Right, walking so, tall. Right. Yeah, you know. So uh, that's a good. That's a, that's a good. Uh, it saves you a lot of grief. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah immediately, or the the other thought could be it's instant escalation. It's like this motherfucker's got a bat. I better bottle him quick. <laughs> well, I think if you usually see a bat, you probably don't. You know, start yeah. talking loud. Right, 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 right. That's gonna it'll it'll at least shush the people who aren't gonna take it too far. Unless you know? it's Dan Dunn. Then Dan Dunn goes out on, and then he reaches under his car seat and pulls out some kind of you know medieval weapon that you know. <laughs> He made in shop class when he got sent to that camp that one special summer. Dan Dunn was such a fucking wild dude. Oh. Like, that's one of the funniest people and yeah. craziest, I guess. Oh, he has troubles, but like, oh my God, you knew him better than oh, a Dan- lot of people. Danny, uh, Dan would be the first to reach in a, in a car trunk for an axe handle or a bat or a wrench. Wow. You know, and, and email with the guys already got a tire jack. I'm going, hey, stop. Let's just talk. Let me talk our way out of this. <laughs> you know, don't make me call David Green. So, uh, <laughs> but Dan's, you know, Dan's girlfriend's like, kill them, Dan. Kill them. <laughs> and, this, and the saddest thing is I wasn't even just looking for. Just a can for, of gasoline. <laughs> I wasn't even looking for trouble that night. I was walking back from when the club was at Young and Eglinton to when I lived at Bourne yeah. Sherburn. Yeah. I got diabetes. So I started walking every night, trying to, you know, try to be you know, better for my health. Sure. And Dan pulls up, Kenny, you want to ride? No, I'm good. Want to ride? Okay, get in about a half a block. Some truck speeds past him and he yells and the truck slams on his brakes and 
And he jumps out. The guy jumps out. And I, you know, I jump out ready to just walk away till I see the weapons coming out. And Dan, stop this. This is madness. And his girlfriend, kill him, Dan. Kill him. <laughs> so I swear, last week, some fucking guy is acting like a retard. Behind me, leaning on his horn, and it's like a merge. This with guy's traffic. already said three words that would get him banned from the rift. <laughs> <laughs> no rift people listen. I thought to you were already banned. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the owner said, "Here's my card." He seemed to like me, but um, so he pulls ahead. Right? He doesn't like let me. He pulls ahead, so I'm behind him. I start leaning on the horn a little bit. He starts like flipping me off in the in the mirror, and I'm like, "I'll fucking kill you." I'm like, you know, it's all charades at this point. <laughs> he reaches over and he pulls out a tire iron, and in my mind, I'm like, anybody who shows that is not serious about using it. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, you pussy." And I'm like, "You suck dick." And I'm like charading <laughs> that he's like, but like to anybody driving by, they're just like, "Look at this guy fucking Man, <laughs> you know, I, I've doing seen, a fucking cock sucking motion in the I've car all by some, himself." I've seen some bold gay approaches before, but. <laughs> yeah. you know, while driving. Yeah, pull over. I'll suck you off right now. You find that rest stop, buddy. I'll make you glad you met me. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to Dan Dunn for a second, because uh, I just remember this. You have this story about him doing your room, and it's it's not a fight story, but just because yeah. we're talking about Dan Dunn is if you're or for our listeners, he's a stand up comedian from Toronto. Uh, he doesn't do a lot of comedy anymore, but back so he's still in, alive. Yeah, he, he is still okay. alive. And he's been clean for a bit. That's great to oh, hear because he's one of the naturally like naturally. When fun Dan people. Dunn was being Dan Dunn, couldn't. Nobody touch him. No, no unbelievable. No. I've seen him do one, two of the funniest sets I've ever seen in my life, and I've only seen him twice. It was right. insane. Wow. But there was a night uh, you you had a sort you had a, a room. groundhog, which is like an open night. I, that's, that's probably where I met you. Actually. Yeah, yeah. We called it uh, we called it the real home of alternative comedy because we do comedy for folks that don't want it. <laughs> but uh, anything can happen in that joint. In fact, one night uh, this guy, one of those uh, one of those batons that uh, oh yeah, one extendo of, bar. Yeah, he uh, he pulled it out, was going to use it on Dan and I managed to get Dan out of there and the guy thrown out before that happened and Dan had no idea the guy was back to this thing eh? <laughs> uh-huh but uh, so the story you're going to tell? Yeah, no, you know the story. Like I, I'd like to hear from you because it was the yeah. So Dan, <laughs> so Dan goes, Kenny, can I go on? I go, yeah. So he comes on. He's got this hospital bracelet on and everything, and he tells a story about how he OD'd on heroin the night before. <laughs> and they're going, "What did you take?" I didn't take nothing. He goes, "Because he's still, you know, still, still a cheat to the bottom line." He figures if he tells them what he took, they're going to arrest him. <laughs> so he goes, uh, "You ever been in an ambulance?" You know. You ever hear an ambulance and it's like got that annoying ah, sound? It's a lot more annoying when you're inside the back of it. <laughs> so he goes on this whole thing about how he won't cooperate with the officials and with the hospital, and they're trying to convince him, and he's this and he's that. And then so they they pump him, and as he leaves, uh, he see he goes, I see my dealer, and he's coming in because somebody some chick he's with, and he goes, uh, I just OD'd on heroin, and he goes, uh, Daniel, you want to do a couple of bumps of coke just to take the edge? Job. <laughs> and Dan goes, so what I'm saying, kids, is don't do drugs. And there is between you know him starting and ending it, there is all oh, just this whole story of the and he still had the damn bracelet on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? He hadn't got a chance to rip it off yet. So I was sitting with like Glenn Foster and Chris Finn and like Finn's written, you know, got all the awards for writing for all the you know Canadian TV shows yeah, and what yeah. have you. And and we just, three of us are sitting at the table and we're just the whole time we're just looking at each other. And we all knew you know, it'd be like you know, it'd be like the night when when Clapton and Beck is sitting there, and Hendrix just went and did his thing. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like man, can't none of us touch that. Right, you know, right, right. And, and then when I told, and he's just spitting. Yeah, and then the next day, you know, the next week, do that bit again. 
Uh, how does it go? <laughs> <Not quite> well. <laughs> you know, but it was—it was just. Hold on, let me jog my memory. Yeah, it was—it was the brilliance that just comes from a certain rawness that can't yeah. be duplicated. Mm-hmm. You know, right? That's right. That, yeah, it's interesting way to phrase it. This episode of Fight Stories has been brought to you by the good people over at AbsoluteNatureCBD.com, bringing you the very best in all-natural, 100% organic CBD oil and CBD oil products. There are no preservatives, additives colorings synthetics or chemicals no botox none of that stuff if you use the fight stories promo code goon squad you save 20 percent. you save a little bit of money and you're giving us a bit of a kickback that's great everybody wins if you're already a cbd oil user why not give them a shot hey if you're the stuff you're using now is better you go back but i bet you it's not you know, but the original, the first night they had the groundhog, Dan wound up getting uh, beaten up and left out in the parking lot by the owner. Uh, <laughs> the first thing you did, the groundhog, Dan gets beaten up and left, but returned many times. Yeah. And, and I said to the owner, I said, did, did, you, did you put the beating on my boy? I don't know. Did someone, did someone get beat up? Which answered my story, yeah. my question. But uh, <laughs> there was, uh, there was a, 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 a woman, a lesbian softball team in there. So instead of trying to work them, you know, because it's an audience, you know, there are about 12 yeah. of them, Dan calls them carpet munchers and pulls his dick out on stage and shakes at them. <laughs> and then Rouse comes Trying up. Trying to lure him back in. You yeah. got this, will make, this? this will make you change your mind. You got nothing in your drawer like this, you know. <laughs> so then, of course, Rouse goes on afterwards, and he too shows his cock. Oh, so I'm fuck. going, man. And the thing is, the guy was giving money. You know, it's like to have an open mic where you got a budget of $200 now. Yeah, right. You yeah. know. Yeah. So that was uh, something going like, man, I and Dan's like, aren't you disgusted that the owner beat me? I'm going, no, man, you almost cost me the gig. <laughs> so, you know, I'm one of the few guys that let you on a stage, and you got to go do this. And now we don't have lesbian softball teams coming here anymore. This could have been a hangout, man. You know, now we've got this guy with uh, cerebral palsy or whatever he is that just whenever he, whenever he likes a joke, and if he really likes it, he starts rocking back and forth. You know, so that's that's the only that's the only positive reinforcement some guys had that night in that. Joint. Yeah, that's the one night that he wasn't doing karaoke. That cerebral palsy guy, every other night he's at a karaoke Oh, bar. yeah, he always had piss on the front of his pants, and, you know, he had to write with a blackboard, and but he'd come down there all the time, and, you know, it took a while for the kids to figure out he wasn't being, they weren't being heckled. Right. That was just his way of responding, you know? Right, right. It's like having a drunken Chewbacca in the front row. <laughs> imagine that, imagine that hell, you're, like, laughing and trying to, like, you know, applaud, and they're like, and what are they you get, fucking shaking about? And then the guy yeah. starts oh, lacing yeah. you. Yeah. So, um, in Chicago, so when did you move back to Winnipeg? Uh, I moved back to Winnipeg for grade 10 because my mom caught me uh, packing a knife to go to school. Oh, wow. I was, uh, I was getting the worst of a couple of fights from the guys. So I said, well, you know, I figure I'll just pack a blade and, <laughs> and wait for David Green to <laughs> come and take it. You know, but, yeah, you know right. so she just said, you know, can, you know, he said, uh, can't no good come with my boy packing a knife to go to school. Mm. You know, I got my history book. I got my bondage book and my flick blade. Yes, I'm ready for the bus. You know? <laughs> yeah. So so she brings you back. Winnipeg is a pretty tough town. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. there ain't nothing to do up there but fight and drink. Oh, I mean, yeah, that was it. You know. So, so did you get into any fights up there? Uh, um, or were you always able to sort of like use your comedy chops to get your way I was out able, of it? I got in more fights as I got older, but of course, right. uh, the level of violence raised. In fact, mm. uh, when I uh, 
when I moved to Toronto finally, it was in uh, 2000. No, 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 no. 1991. Mm. Duh, knock off 10 yeah, years. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, my first, uh, the first uh, three years I was in, uh, in Toronto, I had somebody back home uh, get stabbed to death. Oh, wow. So, and now, you know, if you only lose one friend a year by a stabbing in Winnipeg, you're doing pretty good. Wow, really? You know? But I remember while the week before I left Winnipeg, I was doing a gig and I heard on the radio, I was listening to before the show, there was a wedding reception the night before and uh, two people lost their eyes. So I'm thinking, well, shit, if you don't lose an eye at a, on a Friday night in Winnipeg, you probably stayed home. <laughs> you know, because it was like you two weeks in a row. It was two weeks in a row. But uh, yeah, the, it seems like the violence just got, you know, just started to get nastier. And, uh, wow. And, you know, as my mom used to use the expression, they're playing for keeps. Right. So, um, you know, but in, like uh, in grade nine in Chicago, uh, the kid that was my locker mate, he stopped coming to school because New Year's Eve, uh, he was talking to some girl and some guy uh, pulled a gun on him and they wrestled for the gun and the gun went off and the other guy's nuts. So I guess he was dealing with his legal problems before he can come back to school. Oh, wow. But, you know, you kind of got a different... Uh, attitude about your locker mate after you know he shot somebody yeah mm-hmm. you know that's funny because you just don't think of that when you think of winnipeg in canada yeah the last thing you think about is like real city violence well it's crazy because you know? i went i did the comedy festival there and my dad flew out with me and we, we wanted to get a case of beer and we were asking like you know where's a beer store or liquor store down here people to, told you don't go to like don't go i'm like <coughs> what the fuck are you talking about like they're they're just saying don't and right. i'm like well you know Good luck stopping me from getting a case of beer. <laughs> but it's fucking that dangerous. Oh, dudes will jump you for your beer. In fact, yeah. Uh, uh, now. Winnipeg, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Winnipeg had wow. undercover cops walking around carrying beer, you know, waiting for guys to try and jump them and flip out their badge and right. try to pop them for Remember that. the van opens know. the doors. But when I, left, uh, when I left Winnipeg to come to Toronto, um, mm. I was running with a bad crew. Right. And uh, one of them, uh, like I said, one of them wound up stabbed to death, or, I, or when I'm feeling good about it, finished second in a knife fight. And, <laughs> um, and the guy that killed him was a guy that uh, they had been doing B&Es together, and they fought over a $400 ring. The fucking dumb motherfuckers, man. You know, and maybe the actual value, uh, you know, and if they took the if they took the ring to a jeweler, they wouldn't have got four hundred. Right, right. They would have got the weight of the ring, right, right. which would have been a lot less than the value. So my friend probably died for about forty eight dollars worth Jeez. of gold. You know. Yeah. So uh, then my cousin he died because uh, some guy uh, punched a hole in his wall. And uh, so he was going to beat, you know, either pay for the repair or get your ass beat. So the guy stabbed him 13 times. Jeez. So many stabbings. Well, yeah. yeah. It's a you knife know. town. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's easier. The only, my friend that got, my, my buddy that got stabbed to death, he had a handgun because uh, he found it in a burglary. So mm-hmm. we were going to go out to a social uh which it sounds like something in the Western. I'm going to see you at the social, ma'am. Um, <laughs> social's like a sto- uh, like a dag and stow. Uh, yeah, stow and dag, stag and dough is here. Yeah, you raise money for you know. So he uh, he goes. So he started to bring the gun with him. I'm going. We don't know. He said, we're not going to need this because case someone fuck with it. I says no. No one's going to fuck with this to the point that you need a pistol, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. So. Um, you know, so I told him that uh, we weren't going if he insisted on bringing the gun. So he hit it, and then uh, one of his buddies that did one of the burglaries with him uh, wind up uh, taking the gun. And, of course, nobody knew what happened with it. Uh, a couple of times the guys I, I hung with did B&Es where they found rifles and what have you. They right. stashed them at a chick's place. And, right. you know, there may be a stupid fight at a dance on a Friday night, and these guys want to take a cab to go get the rifle. <laughs> yeah, and, you know. 
you know, and I'm in the back seat of the cab, you know. No, man, there's no need for that. You know, I was always the... You always played the peacekeeper. Yeah, I was always the logic behind, you know, before some kind of homicide was about to go down with these right. guys. But uh, Other than Dan Dunn, were there, were there any um, fights that you witnessed on stage or, like, or at comedy clubs with other comics? Uh... They were close calls, right? Right. You know, a couple of times when I thought I was going to be attacked. Once in Rochester, uh, there's a yuck yucks in Rochester in the '80s, mm. and uh, there was this woman that was uh, really drunk, and her husband was upstairs. They had just gotten married, so he's drinking in the bar upstairs, and she's at the comedy show. Way to spend your honeymoon. I think <laughs> I think it was a match made in heaven. They're still together. So, <laughs> the right idea. Anyway, I was, you know, so I had her on stage. I don't know how it came to be, but uh, I wound up getting her on stage, and I'm sucking her toes on stage as she's sitting on a stool, right? <laughs> and everybody's loving it, and she's digging it, until she turns around and sees that I'm making faces at the audience, ridiculing her. So she goes upstairs, tells her husband, the comedian sucked my toes and then made fun yeah. of me. So he comes down wanting to uh, do something, and I've got the, you know, so I grab the mic stanks, I've got the elevation. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you're banging at him in the face with it, you know? So. <laughs> but um, before, uh, the Yuck Yucks there used to be owned by a, gay, a guy named Scorgy, and before that was a punk club. <laughs> And Scorgy used to get liquored up just to just to beat up on the punks and throw them out of his club. So, you know, so, yeah, you had to have like you had to be like a, a three Dan black belt, just even be, you know be a busboy in that joint. You know, and of course they were probably you know mob you know related or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, there was one brawl. Oh, this I was on stage. And uh, all hell broke loose. There was a table. They were drinking heavy. There was, uh, you know, you know when you see chicks are going to the bathroom, you know, they're doing lines. (laughs) Okay. Well, there's a pregnant bride been drinking uh, uh, Long Island iced teas and doing lines all night. (laughs) (laughs) So so there's a brawl going on in the, there's a big, you know, uh, before steroids was much known about, uh, you know, steroid huge uh, you know, a, a bartender, he's behind the bar. The waitresses are all punching. Old lady, Scorgy's wife's pulling somebody's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> young yeah. And uh, the doorman, uh, Patrick, who's a really, you know, nice, easygoing guy. Um, you know, he uh, before he even gets started, uh, one of these women, like, you know, just kicked him in the balls and left him on the floor. <laughs> so, so the people, the two best views of the fight was me on the stage and yeah. Patrick on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and they had this uh, rack of glasses that was on the outside of the bar. Yeah. So, of course, you hear all this glass getting broken. Smash, smash, smash. And that was like the Thursday night. Um, <laughs> you know. They really let those yuck yucks run wild south of the border. Oh, wow. oh man. Well, the yuck yucks in Buffalo uh, was at a location that before was a rock bar. And um, the the owner tried to beat the Allman Brothers for some money, and the Allman Brothers road manager wound up stabbing the the club owner to death. Come oh, on, yeah. Shit. So uh, we, we got to get the Allman Brothers road manager. On show. <laughs> I think he died a few years back. Uh, you know, the, oh, I belong to all these different mob uh, groups on Facebook, so everybody always mentions, you know, the so the Buffalo, uh, or as they call it, the Arm. Yeah. Uh, so the the page for the Arm, they mentioned that this guy had died. A couple of years ago, I'm really not using Facebook right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to join great. all these clubs. Oh, oh that's funny. Our uh, our friend Ben Miner, he uh, I told him that you're coming doing the podcast. He's like, ask him about the uh, I think it's Prince Albert, the Prince Albert running. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> first time I played PA. <laughs> Wait, so, is Prince Albert a tough town? Yeah, it's a, a prison, prison town. There. It's a prison uh, town. It's north of Saskatoon, so in Saskatchewan. Oh, shit. And it okay. is like another town where like I went there and everyone's like, oh, don't, you know, you don't, don't want to go, go there. <laughs> and we're, we're going to the place, this place called, uh, the venue's called The Rock and Iron. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a good place. And we're so scared the whole way we get there. We get there and it's the curling and golf club. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like all just yeah. good people, but right, yeah. you know, but good people is another expression uh, that they use. Oh no, he's good people. Yeah, right. right <laughs> the guys right. that had ink on their neck when nobody else did. Right. You know. So, first time playing PA, and uh, this guy uh, comes up and goes, uh, "Hey, you want to come have uh, you want to come have some drinks and some tokes at my uh, at my pawn shop?" So I'm going, well, you know, I've never partied in a pawn shop before. I guess. Well, like, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go there, and uh, the guy had about like 97 right. guns on the wall for sale because it's it's Saskatchewan. Mm. So this guy comes down from upstairs, who's like works from his name is Mongo, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so I, I see it on the wall. Oh, first of all, there's this one. Uh, we got these three girls to come back to the pawn shop to drink with us. And uh, the one chick's bragging about a new perfume. You know, it's called it's called Poison. And I go, uh, ain't that French for fish? And then, pow, she gives me a smack in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so I figure, well, you know, here you are drinking in, in, in a pawn shop in Saskatchewan. I guess that's just a slap you just got to take, dude. Right. <laughs> 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 you don't know who she's married to. Yeah. There's firearms. Exactly, dude. This could escalate very quickly. And all I know about these guys is they like this show <laughs> yeah, yeah really, really you know that's all i know about them yeah so this big jerk come named mongo comes down and he starts talking all kinds of racial shit and like, okay well time to get a cab back to the hotel i got a bus to catch to uh to uh, uh battleford in the morning <laughs> <laughs> all the hot spots. you know so um so anyway they want me to sign this dollar bill because they're putting dollar bills back on on the wall. So I see where something's written in German, and it says, uh, I go, what the, you know, I see a swastika and blah, blah, blah. And oh, I go, what the fuck is this? And they said, oh, uh, so um, Mongo goes, it says, next time victory is ours, signed Kurt Wheeler, of, of the SS. Okay, now I know a little bit more history about the name of the guy that signed it. He was the Nazi officer that uh, on D-Day captured the Canadians and had them all capped. Well, he's long gone, but this guy just wrote this guy's uh, quote on the money. All right. Next time, victory is ours. So, you know, this little Mongol's running his mouth, running his mouth. And uh, so I wrote, uh, Jesse Owens fucked Ava Braum in the ass. (laughs) (laughs) So they stick that up on the wall. I go, well, let's see how much you know about history. (laughs) (laughs) So Mongo loses. He goes, I'm going to make one phone call, and the area nation's going to be on you. You're going to look outside your house, and there's going to be a burning cross. So I go, well, I live in a high-rise, and if I look out my balcony, I'm just going to think somebody's car battery's on fire. <laughs> and next to me is the Jewish Community Club, now of the community center. Now, if there is a burning cross, I guarantee you within five minutes, there'll be two carloads of uh, JDL thugs. Yeah. So the fact that I'm, even, I'm, I'm matching them, well, I'll call you Aryan Nation with the uh, Jewish Defense League. So I, I said, there'll be two carloads. Come on a little since 1945. <laughs> <laughs> These ain't like the Jews. That went quietly. Right. <laughs> right. So anyway, so I get out of there, okay. And uh, oh, so um, 
it's really funny. His, his youngest boss, so the guy that owned the, the pawn shop, like, he actually named his son Cassius after Muhammad Ali. Yeah. I said, why didn't you name him Muhammad? But uh, that, wouldn't have, <laughs> that wouldn't have gone over as well as Cassius did. You know what's so funny is like when racist people name things after great black athletes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like still they have to tip their hat to the greatness, you know. Well, this guy wasn't racist, but his right. buddy Mongo was. Sure was, right. So I'm back in Saskatoon <laughs> a year later. We, you know, we do this gig and um, – Man, I used to love this Saskatchewan run. So anyway, I'm having an after-show party in my hotel room. And I, I used to have great parties back in the day. Like the, in the hotel oh, we stayed at, uh, Charlie Muscle White and his band would be there. Uh, Guitar Junior Johnson. So I got like Junior's band in my room. Oh, awesome. You know, just, you know, just, you know, just doing it. So I had all these guys that were uh, bouncers for uh, this big uh, uh club in Saskatoon called Esmeraldas. Whenever I went there on Monday, because it was tequila Mondays, all tequila drinks for a buck. That's where I learned about paralyzers. And, uh, <laughs> at a buck. and I didn't, they didn't even, and I, mine were free. I said, hey, I can afford a buck. Nah, Kenny, you don't pay. <laughs> so Mongo, uh, Mongo somehow winds up in this party in my room. So I'm going, okay. <laughs> so, this so, is later. This is Yeah, this is like a year part. later. Wow. This is like a year later. Jeez. So I'm going, good to see you, Mongo. And uh, I don't know what started, but for some reason he just goes, white guys fuck better than niggers do. Oh, so boy. I've got this guy that was a three-time provincial, a state judo champ, ready to like dislocate his arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I got these other guys that are ready to, you know, I mean, these, these also a tough thing to prove. You know? <laughs> well, I said to him, I says, "That's what your sister told you to make you feel better." <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and of course, he didn't like this. But yeah, I, you're not in a you're not in a fucking pawn shop surrounded by firearms now. You're no, on your turf. You you're, know? you're in my hotel room, right? And, and I got the cream of Saskatoon bouncers <laughs> it's like I didn't know we had a trade show going on in room 409 so uh, Mongo goes and leaves because everybody's laughing at him and, yeah. and you know and, you know, and Arians have feelings too so um, he goes across the street to a bar called Confetti's and he lips off to the, the doorman who's a black guy and of course the black guy beats him so uh I see Mongo the day later, and he's got two black eyes. I'm going, man, you darker than some of the brothers I know, Mong. Confetti's was a short for Confederate. <laughs> so he wound up, uh, he found God, because uh, God was white man, I guess. Yeah. And uh, then he fell off a ladder doing some roofing, and poor Mongo's dead now. Oh. But, uh, Rest in peace. I think they gave him. Right, a, I think they gave him a Viking funeral or something. You know? If we do a YouTube video for this episode, we'll do an R.I.P. Mongo. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh, but no, Saskatoon. Those guys were animals. There's this one. Yeah. A lot of what, what would you think? Uh, Saskatchewan pumps out the most tough NHL players. Yeah, of all time. Like if right. you were to go through the NHL, like the enforcers, <laughs> the, the, tough. the yeah per capita, the most the toughest fighters ever from well, uh, from that. I met a province. dude named. Myron and I just kept loving Myron and uh, apparently he was a real goon but uh -huh. he passed out uh, you know we're going bar humping at 20 below and they just threw him in the back of the pickup truck and what these boys had one of them had a buffalo robe uh -huh. so they just whipped the, ro the buffalo robe over you 
And they go, oh, he's got the robe on top of him. He'll be okay. And then the rest of the fellas go back in the bar to continue drinking. No way. Yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't die. <laughs> Myron woke up to fight another day. You know? but, but I'm going, have you guys no con- concern for him? It was like, ah. But uh, another great story that happened, it was, uh, it was in North Battleford. These guys, they decided they were going to uh, ride with me for the uh, – they were going to drive me to the gig. Uh, road trip. So they all had beer in, uh, in the car. It's winter. And, uh, you know, they're all drinking, but they had the radar detectors back then. And the radar detector had nothing to do with speeding. It told you know, when there was a Mountie, so they knew when to put their bottle down. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, then once the Mountie was gone, got my... <laughs> yeah. I think we do that with texting now. <laughs> Waze lets you know, okay, keep it low, keep it low. <laughs> so anyway, um, there's a couple of guys that were heckling. And, uh, you know, I handle them, but, the, you know, the, the boys want to go over there and straighten them out. And, you know, they always, you know, arrive with the venue. Yes, we're his bodyguards. I'm going, I don't need fucking bodyguards. I, <laughs> I, I need somebody to keep me away from you guys is what I need. <laughs> so I go, uh, so they, they were going to go lay a beating on on these two guys that were heckling me. And I'm going, please don't. It'll, it'll be a poor reflection on me if you guys are with me. <laughs> yeah, right. Because back then, Judy Sims out of Calgary ran the West. And, you know, she didn't like me as it was because I said the C word on stage. And, you know, because I had, you know, bouncer parties in my room and everything <laughs> yeah. that a guy could should not be doing. Yeah. You know, I you did. Were, you were going back and reading. Oh, you know, I was just, it was just, you know, I was just looking for a good time. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so anyway, I was worried. Like the last thing I need is a, a two car loads of my goons, you know, tearing up a place. Yeah. So they go. I go. No. So they go. Uh, take Kenny down the street to Bourbon Street or New Orleans. One. It was one of those two places. So we go there. And uh, Myron, had, they still had ashtrays on the table, so Myron keeps taking these black ashtrays, and he kept smashing them on his forehead, and he'd knock out the middle of the ashtray. <laughs> so I see all these bouncers starting to look at us, and yeah. he's going, well, it looks like there's three each, boys. And I'm going, well, you could have two of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, the rest of the, of, of the Saskatoon Mafia shows up, and, you know, me, I'm clued out. I'm going, where you guys been? He goes, uh, we were taking care of those two bouncers, but that's why we sent you here first, because we didn't want to be a, uh, we didn't want to reflect poorly on you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I felt like Frank Sinatra. It's okay, Carmine. You can stop now. But yeah, so these guys waited till I wasn't on the presence, uh, on the premises before they laid a beating on these two fellas. Oh, funny. Because awesome. I didn't, you know, yeah. yeah. So it was always good to go back home to Saskatoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I, I never get that type of welcoming here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Now they're all now they're all old men and divorced and they don't come out. But I think their sons are sleeping in trucks with the same buffalo robe on. Yeah, <laughs> the robe lives on. <laughs> you know, and so you know what is funny, man? Is like, <coughs> excuse me. You see an old man and you think, "Fuck off, old man!" But you just never know who lived what life. Yeah, you know? exactly. Hey, old man, I'm a lot like you. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it'd be a Winnipeg boy like Neil Young to cough that one up. You know? <laughs> the uh, the other uh, story Benny mentioned uh, was uh, you you got into a scrap. I think uh, was it Bobby Keel and you fought a couple guys or, or a bar. Oh, was no. that the, the, no? We bo- no. It, Bobby, God bless Bobby. Mm-hmm. Bobby was an asshole to most people, mm. right? But uh, but you had to you had to grow he had to grow on you 
and like Bob would get, you know, get liquored up and, you know, it could be hard to control. And, you know, uh, so the way I could always get him out of a, out of a fight with another comic or with maybe a bunch of comics, like when they had a bunch of comics left yucks and went to the laugh resort, uh, they came to the pilot to drink and he's going, this is for yuck yucks guys only. And I'm going like, oh. <laughs> and I, and I go, just busting balls. <laughs> but when you're a little liquored up, it's like a little more push to it. Plus you know? Bobby couldn't speak a sentence without boxing and throwing, you know, he's, he used to box. Mm. So he's had to throw jabs and stuff while talking. Whoa. He's one of those kind of guys. Yeah. So I go, Bobby, I go, how can I keep defending you to everybody if you're going to act like this? He goes, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to embarrass you. I'll just leave. No, no, you'd embarrass me. I'm just saying you make it harder for me to defend you. So one time we're in Halifax. I'm always doing all kinds of political stuff and a lot of race shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Good I, stuff. I talked about uh, how... Uh, Halifax was uh, the Mississippi of the North. And the waitress, well, you're very ignorant. You don't know about this. So we go to some bar, and uh, there's a couple of fights between black guys and, and two white guys. Well, the black guys are thrown out, and then a police car grabs them up on the outside, takes them away. The white guys come back in. Another fight, two more black guys, two more white guys. So <laughs> once again, it's repeated. The white guys get to stay in the bar, drink some more. The black guys are thrown in jail. Mm. So, I start to notice that all the brothers are circling around the pool table. They're making it the Alamo. <laughs> right? So, I know if shit goes down, I don't get I'm from Toronto, and I'm not aware of what's going on. You know, so, right, right. <laughs> yeah, right. so you know, so, but I, I want a confirmation it is what it is. Because right? the, the waitress has told me how wrong and ignorant I was earlier. Right. So, I walk up to this one dude that looked like a cousin of somebody I knew. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he might have been a Willis. Might have been. Are you related to the Willis? So, um, so I said, is, "Is this shit racially motivated?" He says, "It's motivated." <laughs> so, so, uh, so Bobby's up there. I'll just let you know if one of these cracker rednecks make one step towards you, I'm taking their fucking eye out. So I'm going, Bobby. What do you? I said, "But if a brother jumps you, you're on your own, Bobby." So he says, "Well, thanks." I go, "Let's just get." out of here right so the next night uh my opening line was uh i forget what the name of the place was uh diamonds or whatever so i said uh, i had a great time at diamonds last night where apparently thursday night is beat a nigger's ass at night uh, be, beat a nigger's ass night uh, every thursday at diamonds so of course the waitresses are all embarrassed now because they scolded me and i've seen their shit yeah, yeah. folk come out to show me what they were about <laughs> i was definitely motivated you know yeah so there is that time, but, you know, the fact that Bobby is ready to, like, you know, nobody's coming near you. Right. And I said, well, we could just leave, you know. I mean, I'm, none of these people are really cousins of mine, and we, <laughs> we do have two more nights in this town. So. <laughs> and cable. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but another time I was in, it was Calgary, and I'm on stage, and uh, I just I hear. You said, I think you wrote this story on Facebook. Yeah, when Bobby died. Right, right. Yeah, right, so right, there's right. this guy, and he's with two women, and he's sounding off, and he's like, nigger this, and nigger that, and nigger this, and, and, you know, so I'm trying to ignore it as the best you can. Right. And uh, they, they didn't have a, uh, they didn't have a, a, a doorman, but they had a, a, a host. <laughs> you know, and not to knock him, but he'd go, uh, but, you know, he, he was very good. At saying, and how many are in your party? But he wasn't very good at having to throw anybody out. <laughs> yeah, Stop nor, it! Nor should he be. <laughs> yeah. you know? So um, Bobby walks up to this guy, and uh, 
You know, here's the guy lipping off to the manager, and the guy goes, I'm an Albertan sitting with two white women, and I don't want to hear any more of this nigger's bullshit. So I'm thinking, like, well, shit, that's like, I'm a Texican. Right. And, you know, and he's, he's you know, he's, he's going to, uh, you know, he's going to protect these uh, white maidens of the West uh, of, of their virtue. <laughs> from this mongrel. Yeah, from this mud person's comedy. <laughs> I don't know why my comedy tends to make more, but Frosty, poor, poor kid, gets shit thrown at him. But over the years, more people want to just lay fist on me for jokes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's never, and it's never like a heckler. It's never somebody I directly went after. Right. It's just something I just throw out into the out. You know, right. They it's get, your opinions. Yeah. They want, you know, and they want to take me out. So anyway, Bobby does this whole thing where um, he goes, I could, I could see that. I could see the grease that was worn into his fingers from twisting nuts and bolts all day. So I knew he was a Southpaw. So then Bob's over. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. Bobby studied everything before he went at you. <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if one hand looked more, you know, if the, if the oh, hand that's a real more, fighter. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I always said to Bobby, you know, if you just learned to leave every bar half hour earlier, you and Stan, if you left each bar half hour earlier, things would have been a whole lot better in your life. Would have been easier, yep. Yeah, you know, you wouldn't have needed that dental plate. You wouldn't have needed, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, Stan wouldn't have got his neck cut. I mean, if y'all just left a half hour, I'm, I'm very good right, right. at leaving before shit gets ugly. One thirty. Because, <laughs> yeah. hey, 2 o'clock, when I think I should start taking the, the not-finished beers off of tables. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. my sign to go to the door. <laughs> right. yeah. You know, but it's like well, all the young comics used to go out west. I tell them stay away from the pool tables because anywhere you go, that's where the badasses all gather. Mm-hmm. If you go to any of these little, you ever notice that anywhere in these little towns, all the badasses, you know, they they don't gather by the jukebox. No, they're right. always gathered around the pool table. Huh. So I tell the I tell the kids stay away from the pool table. Yeah, you know, you don't want to catch a cue across the back. That's where all the that's where all this shit goes down. Mm-hmm. If guys on those taller tables where I'm wrestling, they're the tall tables near the pool table. Uh-huh. All the bad shit goes down around there. Well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> Keep your kids away from the pool tables. Even if you got one in your house, that's where you're going to get a whooping, children. <laughs> your dad's going to be drinking. He's going to take his belt off and let you have the buckle. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, you've been in a lot of stuff. Have you, don't you ever think back that a lot of this stuff was near the pool table act? Or were you just that mad redhead just walking down the street <laughs> swinging? Right, and yeah, random? it happened at the pool table, up at the front of the club, it happened outside the club. It's so you happened. can tell if you go into a bar that that's... You yeah. know, you're absolutely yeah. right, like... I'd never hang out around the pool table. And the, and the smaller the town, yeah. the more that's where it's going to go down. Yeah, right, yeah. right. It's true. That's a good observation. It's right. it's not nothing that I Especially like ever like stuff. notice, but I think naturally, yeah, would just maybe like I don't like to hang out around there because it's usually that's where someone's going to get mad. At, you know, right? Or they're you know that's where the bikers tend to you know they hang yeah. a little bit. So you know, after a lifetime of being called nigger and having to know where the back door is, you know, you learn just to avoid certain locations. <laughs> yeah. you know? Or sometimes if there's a certain song on the jukebox I hear, I know it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> People start getting fired up. Yeah, I hear Skinner's "Give Me Three Steps, Mister." That's a personal message to me. <laughs> <laughs> Put the jacket on. <laughs> Never took it off. <laughs> oh shit. Well, Kenny, thanks for coming, man, and yeah, that's uh, great. and doing the fucking show. It was a great episode. It was fun, man. You know, yeah. don't get to see you often. Well, yeah. how's New York going for you? You making money down there? They respecting you? You getting work or what? No, no, and no. <laughs> <laughs> but my my yard in Jersey's nice. <laughs> okay, that's the wife earning that or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, you know, because you, you've always been a funny dude, and just you know, and you know, you don't post m- much funny shit on on there anymore. Not that you you just stop. You're not putting the material out. Yeah. And 
you know. But you know you what? Know, I think uh, you little... throw a lot of funny shit out there. I'm just right. going like, wow. So I figured I see that. I figure your head's working that way. So I figure people got to be booking you because it's you know too what? funny not I th- to be booked. I think uh, I think some of those Facebook posts probably cost me more gigs than it got me. So uh, in, in this day and age, so you know, I'm still. I just it's written down somewhere. I just don't put it online. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, but it'll be sh- on an album. You sure did cost shit though when you did the riv. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Toronto didn't know what fucking hit him. I know, and you know the thing is, I was shocked that you like you messaged me and you're like, "Oh, these guys are lighting you up on some chat board," and I was like, "What? I don't understand." Like, I didn't run out of there. If somebody had a problem with something that I said, I was outside the whole show. I was hanging out with my friends. You know, that's because you throw smitties. These dudes punch keyboards. Right? That's right. <laughs> you, had, you had no idea there was right. a conflict of uh... exactly. And I mean, I wouldn't have even. It would. You know, if, if somebody no. would. When I say when somebody had a problem, they could have said, "Hey, that was a little crazy." And I would have. You know, we just had a conversation it, about justified it, it or, or apologized exactly, or whatever. Exactly. And yeah. if it got the other way, well, then you know, I'm like, I'm doing a podcast with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think it probably did start shortly after. That. <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. They, oh, they was crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know it's going to blow over 24 hours later and they'll be yeah. on to the next, oh, the next thing. I was ready you know? to jump on that board and just start lighting people up. And Tyler was like, just let it die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well yeah. they came at you for all two days. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, it was right. a good kick to Hornet's Nest. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, my first thought is, my God, what did he say? You know, because I always think, you know, because you, you sit there and you think of all the things that could have been said. Right. And it, usually what, what it is is something, oh. That. Right, yeah, yeah But, right. you know, the, the way things are now, that is enough to be, oh! And that's exactly yeah. the reaction, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Those those guys were eight-year-old boys once. <laughs> <laughs> they still are. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. Well, yeah, thanks so much for doing the podcast. Yeah, Kenny, where can really they, they find it. you? Is it uh, KennyRobinson.com? Is that the... Yeah, uh, yeah, it's KennyRobinson.com. Uh, I post something on there about once every five years. <laughs> uh, if you, you want to buy CDs, I think I still have some in stock uh, under my belt. <laughs> so you can hit them there. Uh, the one's called uh, uh, Filthy as Ever. That one's still available. Nice. And uh, then I've got a new CD out with Darren Frost and I. We recorded it uh, when we were out in the Maritimes. Oh, nice. It's uh, uh, Uncomfortable Truths, and it's uh, about 45 minutes of me and then 45 minutes of Darren. Cool. Nice. And uh, great stuff on, uh, on, on it. For, but we found out after we paid the money that uh, it's uh, considered with two people doing it. It's a compilation mm. album. So we, we were eligible to give the, the Junos money. We we just weren't eligible to be nominated. Which oh, is, that's greasy. Yeah. So, so why, oh, I guess I don't have a compilation uh, category. Well, but they took your money for the submission, but wouldn't and then they said, wouldn't refund it. By the way, so uh, got to yeah. read the small print. But each shit, uh, you know, I thought I thought <laughs> I thought compilation was like five or six people. I didn't think it was like two. People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Smothers Brothers are out there doing compilations. Well, if they were a comedy duel, then that would have been. But it was like they used like the old laugh records where that one side Red Fox, the other side uh, Slappy White. Mm-hmm. You know, so that so technically that wouldn't have qualified for it. So Slappy White, there's a name to go Google, folks. Oh, that you call him Slappy because that's how he used to hit you. <laughs> My dad had a friend that was a professional boxer. His nickname was Canvas Pack. <laughs> and I teased him about it. And he said, because he used to, uh, as a boxer, you'd have to go to all these towns in Western Canada. And uh, every town had their local hero. And it was, and it was usually uh, built, uh, built along uh, uh, ethnic backgrounds. It'd be like uh, uh, Jimmy Kid Kraut Schmidt, right? You know, right, Joe right, the right. Polak Polinski, and he'd be so. You know, he's, he goes, if he won, 
says you wasn't getting paid. Plus, you got to leave town quick. So <laughs> you knew going in that you had to take a dive. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> if you won, you weren't getting paid. Yeah. That is the <laughs> opposite. So, you right. know, he said, you know, it was only about $400, $300, and me and my buddy that traveled with me, you know, we needed that money for broads and booze and gambling. So, <laughs> you know, I, I hold him up for a couple of rounds and just to make it look good, and then I try to take the right time to go down. And, and sometimes the boy was tired from swinging the first two rounds, and I got to, like, you know, try to slip or something. <laughs> but, uh, poor guy. A professional back boxing practice. <laughs> Faller. That's so funny. That's great. You yeah. know, so you know, guys want to build his, their build their win their win loss record. Uh, well, uh, you know, but of course, so he, now, now canvas back. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't introduced as canvas back. You right? Know. No, of course, Harvey not. Kid Chocolate Bailey or something like that. But, <laughs> but oh, when he went boy. to the gambling and, and drinking joints, he was uh, canvas back. He, I'll let you go. I guess guys go after this story. Uh, <laughs> Sterling Scott almost went off the road when we drove to Fort St. John. When I told him this story. <laughs> Harvey was uh, uh, Harvey was was a gambler and a pimp, and uh, <laughs> like many of my dad's friends, yeah. and uh, <laughs> uh, thought it was like thought it was Glassman going to say, "Remember that time you got me so high on weed that I told every time you've ever been on the radio with you?" But uh, <laughs> shut up, my kids don't know that taste. So anyway, uh, Harvey and this other guy named John Brown and. Uh, and uh, they were going out to, uh, they're going to the Alaskan Highway, and they got these two women with them. They were going to go to work, right? They were Harvey's girls, so, and Harvey's car, and Johnny's catching a ride. So the car breaks down on the, uh, I think it was called the Alaskan Highway at the time. And uh, Harvey said to uh, John Brown, said, Johnny Brown said, uh, tell you what, give me $100 and your new suit, and uh, this broken down car, and these broken down whores are all yours. <laughs> I said, so what you do? He said, I put, his, I put his suit in my bag. <laughs> I hitched my ass down the road. Never did see them broken down whores, that broken down car again. <laughs> They're still in Alaska. They're housewives. <laughs> Somebody knows them as Nana now, and <laughs> and she throws the best parties on Christmas Eve. <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, see, I, I get about that crying eight year old at the at the resort. Ain't got a Harvey. <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't got an Uncle Harvey. Nothing close. No. Nothing close. Uh, Kenny, thanks again. Man. Okay, I'll let you guys go. Yeah, go we on. appreciate it, man. Thanks yeah. so much. All right, now I'm going to go look for trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Right on, All guys. Right. That was All another right. episode of Fight Stories with yeah. uh, Kenny Robinson. Check him out uh, on his Rank and Vile tour and uh, at KennyRobinson.com or anywhere oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, where you see he's playing, man. He'll be all over Canada, wherever, whenever this right. airs, so check that out. And, uh, yeah, make sure you uh, follow us on uh, social media, all of our shit. Subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash fight stories. Every dime we make goes back into the podcast yep. so we can uh, cross borders and uh, <laughs> create shit. <laughs> so we can get old broken down rides and old broken down horns. <laughs> All you need is a suit and a hundred dollars. <laughs> Inflation, about a buck fifty. <laughs> All right, thanks.